Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, we come right here, right now in real time, and we soften our hearts. If they're hard, we open our hearts. If they're closed, we welcome the Spirit of God to move in our hearts. We say yes. We didn't just come here to check a box, but we want to hear your voice through your word. We want to experience the power of your presence and your love in this space. And we pray that we would, every one of us, walk out of this space different than when we entered because of this experience with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today's message is... uh, titled The Heart and Soul of Ocean Hills. It's, it's uh, in my heart to kind of at the beginning of the year get real clear with uh, you uh, about what, why we exist. Why are we here? What is our heart's desire for you and for us as a church community together? Um, it's funny, but uh, my wife and I, Natalie, we've been in this town in ministry for, uh, well, since 1985, so you do the math, 37 years, I think it is. Um, and there are seasons of ministry where people are bouncing around churches. We have new people coming from other churches. We have people leaving us to check out other churches. And in Santa Barbara, it's kind of a small Christian community. We're all part of a big family with different last names. There's one church, but there are different expressions of the body of Christ. And and part of what I want you to hear from my heart is our agenda. our heart's desire for, not only for you personally, but for us together as a community. And we live in this age where there's a lot of people in my line of work that are punting, that are like, I'm out, man, I'm not, I'm I'm tired of the negative, critical, uh, just bummer of being part of leading a church. And I, I actually kind of have turned it upside down, maybe because I had a three-month sabbatical and I took a lot of naps and got a lot of rest and feel fired up and energized. But I feel like there's never been a better time that the gospel of Jesus, that the, the hope that our world and our community needs, it's, it's never been greater. So the message of Jesus... The message of Jesus, not the message of, you know, the different sides of the church, but the message of Jesus has never been more relevant and more urgent and important for us to communicate. And and, and today, there are people in church that are bored, bored by the lack of creativity, bored by the kind of ho-hum, feels like we're just going through the motions. There are people in the church that 
are floundering because we feel beat up by the church. The arguments, the, the, the accusations, the finger pointing, the legalism, the nationalism, the you name it. People are like, dude, I, I'm out. I don't need this. And then there are people that they're just, I don't know, kind of going, well, I, I, I hope that the church experience would be more life-giving. I'm kind of just wanting to be known and wanting to be loved, but I feel invisible and I've attended church and I kind of show up and I leave and nobody really knows me. And that is not God's heart or dream for me, for you, for any of us. But that's the experience for a lot of people. And so there's this sense of feeling disconnected. C.S. Lewis has a quote that uh, I'm going to throw up on the screen for us. And I want you just to sit in this as we start this message. The church exists for nothing else but to, now just stop. How would you fill in the blank? The church exists for nothing else but to, and he wrote this, gosh, probably 50, 60 years ago, but to draw men, we would include men meaning people, to draw people into Christ. Now, the next phrase, listen to this, to make them, say it out loud, little Christ. If they are not doing that, the church, if we are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. So let's just get real clear this morning. Why are we here? Why do we exist as a church? We want to help people discover who Jesus is, his unfailing love, and allow that love to to get inside of us by the Spirit of God and the Word of God and surrounded by the people of God and allow that love to change us, to transform us, to form us so that we become little Christ. And now we are walking in love. We are on mission for God to use us, to shine through us as his ambassadors. And so if you have a Bible, you might open it to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read it uh, in two, two uh, I don't want to call the message a translation. It's more of a paraphrase. But uh, the NIV says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. You actually could flip those phrases, as dearly loved children, because you're loved, follow God's example. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of anger. No. Walk in the way of finger pointing. No. Walk in the way of indifference and checking out. No. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
And now Eugene Peterson has written a paraphrase of this in the message. And I'm going to base my message this morning off of Eugene's paraphrase. He, sa- he writes it this way. Watch what God does, and then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is, pause, how would you fill in that blank? Mostly what God does is love, 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 love you. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Keep company with him. We all become who we hang out with. We all become who we keep company with. The voices we listen to, that's who we become like. Paul writes here, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. I love this next phrase. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. On the count of three, let's say the last words, phrase together. One, two, three. Love like that. Those are your marching orders. Love like that. Let's not get confused about why we're here. (laughs) There's not a political agenda here. Love is the agenda. As I read the Bible, love is the agenda. And so, the heart and soul of Ocean Hills is we are trying to create experiences, environments, and relationships that inspire you and help you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, living a fully surrendered life. Fully surrendered meaning I'm not my will, but your will be done. Fully surrendered meaning I'm going to yield my wants for God's wants and ways for my life. Fully surrendered says I'm cooperating with you, God, and your plans for the way you want me to live. Your voice is the loudest, not the TV, not that talk show host, not whoever it is. The loudest voice in my life is the word of God. And I'm allowing myself, I'm positioning my life because I want to follow you wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. If we want to follow him wholeheartedly, I'm going to live a fully surrendered life. And surrendered is, isn't this the kind of hands up like this? What is it? It means I, I surrender. Isn't this the kind of universal symbol of surrender it's i let go i give up i yield that's why in worship some people raise their hands i'm surrendered to you i'm surrendered i want your way i want your will 
And so, really simple outline this morning. If, if we're going to live a fully surrendered heart, or have one, and live a fully surrendered life and become fully devoted followers of Christ, there's three things that I'm going to ask and invite you into today. Let God love you, let God change you, and let God use you. Let God love you, let God change you. That's the agenda. That's why we're here as a church. We want you to experience the love of God. We want the love of God to change you. And then we want that love to so change your heart that now you're living beyond yourself rather than a for-yourself life. Are you with me? So let's talk about let God love you. Let God love you. Let God love you. Ephesians 5 in the message, it says mostly what God does is love you. So he's loving you. Are you going to let him? Are you going to allow him? Are you going to yield? Are you going to receive it? It's one thing to go, oh, yeah, I believe it up here in my head, but are you going to let it touch your heart? I have um, overquoted this quote from The Shack, Paul Young. How many of you, have you read The Shack? I mean, it's probably a 25-year-old book, but a powerful, great book. Paul Young, in The Shack, he writes this, you were created to be loved. Living unloved is like clipping a bird's wings and removing its ability to fly. You were created to be loved. Love is the foundational key to human thriving and human flourishing. You don't believe me? Think about what happens to people who live unloved? I mean, Paul Young's saying you're, we're all like birds and, and, and our wings are clipped off. We were created to soar, to flourish, to thrive in life, but we can't because a lack of love in our life cripples us, clips the wings off of our lives. I did some research this week. What is the impact of people that don't feel loved? What is the impact from Children that grow up and parents are absent, parents are abusive, parents uh, neglect their kids, parents are too busy. They, they grow up in, a, if you grow up in a chaotic home, an abusive home, you grow up in a home that dad's emotionally unavailable, mom's, I don't know, a bully, let's say, whatever. Here, here's the impact, a lack of love. If you grow up and you're feeling like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm really loved. I mean, I know, I know for God so loved the world. I know that. It's here. And when it just is here and not here, this is how it translates into our lives. We walk through life with deep insecurity. We have this belief that we carry inside that will never be enough. So we spend a lot of our lives trying to prove we're enough, trying to validate, look at me. Look at my degrees. I went to Harvard. I mean, Hayward. <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? <laughs> Believe me, I would be, I went to Harvard, but why? There's this belief that you'll never be enough when you feel unloved. Or that you're not worth dealing with if you've been neglected. If you grew up in a, your, your parents were, 
a busy household, or even today, your friends are too busy for you, your family, you feel like, am I worth it? Nobody's making sacrifices for me. I don't feel loved. And so I start to believe that I'm not worth it. A lack of trust. Relationships tend to be more unstable in the lives of people who feel unlovable or unloved. There's a lack of boundaries. I don't respect your boundaries. They make me paranoid. So I get more possessive when you put up boundaries because I don't feel loved. So I'm going to force myself on others. People that don't feel loved choose more friends and partners that tend to be toxic. Friend, or people that don't feel loved are dominated by fear of failure and fear of rejection. A lack of love translates into feeling isolated and lonely. This, my friends, is the why. The why. The why we exist as a church because we live in a world where people are feeling unloved and spending a whole lot of time on social media and at work and in different places and relationships trying to prove our worth. Our validation, love me, notice me, see me, approve of me. So I tell you a quick story. I this journey is is personal for me. I gave my life to following Jesus as a teenager. I did not grow up in a spiritual religious home in any way. Didn't know that my life mattered to God. Didn't know that I was loved by God. And for the last, however many years that is, a lot, I went on a, I went on a spiritual retreat with a, a guy named Brennan Manning. Many of you have heard of Brennan Manning. I went on a 24-hour retreat with Brennan Manning, and all he said for 24 hours is, you are his beloved. You are his beloved. You are his beloved. Part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, early in my ministry, there's a conference called the Midwinter Conference. They had Henry Nowen speak. I still remember Henry Nowen saying, you are his beloved, you are his beloved, you are his beloved. I, have a, I actually have a, a coach right now in my life, Kevin Butcher. He's written two books. I can summarize the, book, the two books in one line. You are his beloved, you are his beloved, you are his beloved. And in my Christian faith, I can tell you it, it, there's this constant, how do I get it from here to here? It's one thing to know, for God so loved the world that he gave us. You, God loves you. Okay, I, I get it. I'm, love, I'm his beloved. That word for me, beloved, it just is never connected for me. Casey and I were talking. She goes, I love it. I, I, I connect with it. I'm like, okay, I don't, you know. <laughs> and that's why, that's why language is important. That's why experiences are important. That's why having different speakers up here are, is important as well. And so I tell you this story because when Natalie and I on sabbatical, we went to Egypt and had an amazing experience at St. Catherine's Monastery at Mount Sinai and we're on the Nile River. Just, it, was, it was awesome. But one morning we were doing devotions and the devotion came up 
on Matthew chapter 13. Now, a little backstory to Matthew 13. When I was 19 years old, I, I want to say, my spiritual father mentored Dave Hicks. He gave each of us that were part of his kind of core uh, guys that he was discipling, this book by Juan Carlos Ortiz, it's called Disciple. Great book, great book. Spiritually formative in my life. And there's a chapter in that book on Matthew chapter 13. And if you read the chapter, basically, Juan Carlos Ortiz and many others explain Matthew 13 this way. And I'm going to just read for you right now these, these just few verses because it'll, it'll help you understand the story. The kingdom of heaven, verse 44, Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. He sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned, and he bought it. And... The message from Juan Carlos Ortiz and the message from every, I don't know, the last 40 years of me studying this passage has been life with God is worth everything. Life with God is worth selling everything. And I have to say, this is just my own testimony. For much of my Christian life, I feel like I'm on the treadmill. Okay, I gave my whole life to serving God. I'm giving up. I'm on the treadmill of it's worth everything. I'm giving up. I'm, I, 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 but I'm always feeling like I haven't given up enough. And Natalie and I are in Egypt, and we love, part of our spiritual practice is we listen to an app called Lectio 365. If you haven't discovered it, it may not be for everyone. I gave it to a friend, and they didn't like it, but a lot of, a lot of us like it. And uh, that... There was a morning in, in Egypt, and it was on this passage. And the woman that morning that was doing the Lectio spiritual reflection, she flipped this passage upside down. And so often we think Jesus is the treasure. I got to give up everything for him. That's kind of how we have interpreted it. That's how I've been taught it. And she flipped it upside down and said, no, 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 no. You're the treasure. And he gave up everything for you. And all of a sudden, I had that experience from here to here. It wasn't the word beloved for me, but it was the word you're treasured. You are the treasure. You are worth it. You are worth sacrificing for. You are worth leaving, selling, whatever it is for you. Because you are deeply, deeply, deeply loved. Will you let God, that love, that radical love, will you let it touch you? Will you, will, will you say, God, I, I, get it from here to here. Help me, God. Help me get it from my head to my heart. And it's a journey. It's not, okay, I just graduated. I know God loves me now. I know God loves me. And many of you do too. But this, in a way, is a dance. And sometimes it gets up here 
and it doesn't translate into life change. But when, when it gets from here to here, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. It changes my motivation. It changes my responsiveness. It changes my willingness to want to follow, to want to obey, to want to serve, to want to give. God sacrificed everything for you. You are the priceless, one-of-a-kind treasure. He sees you. He values you. Let me just, I'm spending a lot of time on this point, but it's just worth it. Because actually, all these authors, Brennan Manning and Henry Nowen and Kevin Butcher and others, they say, this is, this is it right here. We don't even have to talk about the other two points. This is what the Christian faith is all about. Dane Ortland, he wrote that book, Gentle and Lowly. And uh, again, I love that book. I would say it's probably the best book I've read in the last five years. Now I have some friends who didn't like it either. So that's, <laughs> welcome to Ocean Hills. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of part of what this community is. There's room for us to disagree. Just that's, that's part of our DNA. It's not like, well, the pastor said it. I better pretend I like the book. That's not who we are. Just if you're a guest or you're kind of leaning in, checking us out, there's room to push back. There's room to ask questions. There's room to say, I read that book you said was your favorite in five years. I didn't get it. In fact, I had a friend just, when I showed that stack of books that I read, 19 books on sabbatical, there was a book in that list, and somebody in our church reached out to me and said, I saw you read that book. What would you think about it? And I said it was my least favorite book. And I was afraid he's going to go, he was going to, like I was going to hurt his feelings. I go, actually, I hated it. It was my least favorite book. My wife said, leave it here on vacation. Don't even bring it home. <laughs> I said, I can't. I feel so loyal to the author. I have to, I have to finish it. She goes, no, you don't. Just leave it here in the hotel room. I go, no, I got to I don't know what. I, I got to go to counseling over that. But, <laughs> and I shared it with this guy. I go, yeah. And, and he said, me too. I didn't like it either. I thought I was going to disappoint him. And he was like, yeah, I didn't like it. Anyways, <laughs> Dane Ortland, <whoop. laughs> he's written a, a sequel to Gentle and Lowly. It's called Deeper. Deeper. I recommend it. But I got a quote for you up on the screen. Now just soak in this. The love of God is not something to see once and believe and then move beyond to other truths or strategies for growing in Christ. The love of God is what we feed on our whole lives long, wading ever more deeply into this endless ocean. And that feeding, that wading, is itself what fosters growth. Did you hear that? That, that feeding, that waiting is what fosters the growth. We grow in Christ no further than we enjoy his embrace of us. Some of us are on that treadmill. I grow, I got to do this, got to do that, got to do this, got to do that. We grow in Christ no further than we enjoy his embrace of us. Wow. God made you. Why? So he could love you. So he could love you. His embrace of you is the point of your life. Did you hear that? What's the point of my life? 
Well, according to Dane Ortland, the point of your life is his embrace of you. Warm embrace. Loving embrace. You're the treasure. You're the pearl. God made you so he could love you. His embrace of you is the point of your life. He wants you to know a love that is yours even when you feel undeserving or numb. The ceiling of our growth will match the ceiling of our understanding of God's love for us. Wow. What's he saying? He's saying all the money in the world, all the sexual partners in the world, all the alcohol in the world, all the adventure trips in the world, all the Instagram followers in the world, all your kids getting into Yale, Harvard, Princeton, or Stanford, all of it won't fill the hole in your heart for love, for validation, for being wanted, for feeling I'm worth it, I'm treasured, I'm loved. And this church is on mission. And I want to say with a laser focus, we're a Jesus-centered church, not an issue-centered church. And I have people always trying to get the issues are important, but that's not the heartbeat of who we are. The mission of Jesus, the heart of Jesus is what we're about. And that, of course, impacts how we vote and how we do things. But there are people in this church that see things differently, and we vote differently. I actually had somebody in this church say, John, if you just get everybody at Ocean Hills to read the Bible, we'd all vote the same. Do your job. I don't believe that. There are people in this room right now that vote differently than me, and I love them, and I respect them, and they're wholehearted followers of Jesus. So if you're looking for a church where everybody votes the same, this isn't it. We stretch. It can be a little uncomfortable at times, but that's how we grow, by staying rooted, by being kind of a stability, if you will, where we say staying is what's going to help me grow, not leaving. I've, I, staying married helps me grow, not leaving. And staying in a church helps me grow. I got to deal with my issues. What is it about Lysaia and what he said in that sermon that bugged me? Well, maybe, maybe we, I need to talk to him about it. Maybe I need to look in the mirror and say, God, are you speaking to me? Well, geez, I'm already out of time. <laughs> I don't even know where to go right now, but let's just, let's just I'm, I'm going to call an audible. <laughs> and I'm going to stop, but I'm going to invite you I'll do the next two next week. I'm going to invite you into what we're going to call 21 days of surrender. You know, beginning of the year, people go make a commitment. The first week of the year, the gym is full. <laughs> Second week of the year, the gym is still pretty full. The research shows it's the third week. It's days 14 to 21. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where our commitments begin to wane. 
And so we're going to invite you into what we're going to call 21 days of surrender. Surrendering to the love of God. Let God love you. And every day, you're looking for him. Did you know at the end of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, the most popular, well-known psalm, his goodness and his unfailing love pursue me all the days of my life. The goodness of God and his unfailing love are pursuing you every day. And so 21 days of surrender is spending the next 21 days saying, your will, not mine. Your love. Lord, it's waking up every morning. Let his voice be the first voice, the loudest voice. God, I, I want your love to change the way I see myself. God, I want your love to heal the hurt, the scar, the ouch from my childhood, from my most important relationships, from being beat up in the church, from being bullied on the playground, whatever it is. God, I want your love. I need to hear your voice in the next 21 days. And our hope and prayer is not, you know, growth is gradual. Growth is, happens slowly. It's not boom. I wish it was boom. I went to my friend Mori Hayashida. He's a physical therapist. I said, dude, I need, I need shoulder surgery. He goes, what? I go, yeah, my shoulder hurts. I got to go get surgery. He goes, let me come over to your house. So he, he comes over and he goes, if you'll do these four exercises for three minutes a day, I think you'll be fine. I wanted, no, I want surgery, man. I want, my, I want my shoulder fixed. No, you got to participate in your healing. And so every day I do these exercises and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, my shoulder's starting to feel great. Thank you, Maury, if you're here. God's love is like that day after day after day after day. I'm going to invite the band to come up. 21 days of surrender. Now, does that word surrender mean anything to you? There's a famous rock star who just wrote his memoir, and he titled it Surrender. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? And my friend Doug Stevens wrote a little paragraph I'm going to read for us. Surrender, a term that sounds like weakness and defeat is the one-word title of the newly published memoir by Bono, the frontman for U2. Sold over 175 million records, 22 Grammy Awards, the most in music history. Surrender. For a man burdened by grief, fueled by rage, and driven by ego, those are his words, Bono's words, Surrender is not the theme we would expect him to choose as the headline over his life. But according to Bono, it is exactly the choice he must keep making. He finds himself sometimes choosing it, sometimes refusing it, yet always growing when he surrenders for a far greater good. Bono writes, the antidote to me is surrender. 
John the Baptist in John 3.30 said, he must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater and greater. I must become less. That's the spirit of surrender. And so we're going to sing a song, and we're going to give you an opportunity. I have a bookmark here. We have a bunch of bookmarks right here at the front. And I wrote on the back, and you, there's pens up here too. You can write on the back, 21 Days of Surrender, January 2023. But it's the outline of my talk, so spoiler alert, next week you'll get the next two points. And a daily prayer. And our hope in this is as we together as a community, because the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone or in isolation. It's in, that's how, how we grow is together in community. We're going to surrender together daily, a fully surrendered life. Have your way, Lord. Your will, not my will. God, I want to allow you. I want to cooperate with you. I want to let you love me, change me, and use me. And over these next 21 days, we're hoping, just like we saw up here with the kids, that you might say yes to serving in O Kids. Say, wow, God wants to use me. Not, like over the next 21 days, I'm praying that for many of you, you would move from consumer in the church to contributor, from taker to giver, from a person who is a spectator to a person that says, I'm willing to lean in and participate, and I'm willing to start serving on the takedown team after church. Nobody wants to stay after church. Everybody wants to go to lunch. So the takedown team, it's hard to get people to say yes to serving. Or, oh, kids, because you got to miss out on the service. But you have people that are saying yes, that are loving like that, that we read about in Ephesians 5. We have small groups that are launching. For some of you surrendering, I've been on the resisting the small group. And... I have a friend that I met with, Lynn, this week. She's starting a group, and I love it. I'm just going to read her description. She's starting a group called The Settled Soul, and it's a support group. Now, here's the description. When someone we care about struggles with alcohol or addiction of any kind, we suffer as well. We become irritable. We become unreasonable, and everything is affected my job, my health, my family. Thursday nights on Zoom, it's going to be a hybrid in-person Zoom. You can be anonymous, 6.30 to 7.30. If, if you want to be part of a small group, a group like Lynn's, another small group, if you want to serve, the QR codes, are it, it's all there for you. And there's a table as you leave. Right out there when you walk out, there's a table as you leave. Come get your 21 Days of Surrender bookmark. Write on the card, 21 Days of Surrender, January, and then go out there and sign up for something to say, this is part of how I'm going to begin my surrender journey is by saying yes to the mission of God. So let's stand and sing together a song of commitment. And when you're ready, and it's not for everyone, you might not want to surrender. You might be like, I'm not doing that. But for those of you where your heart is saying, I'm ready, just come down and grab a bookmark, grab a pen, write on the back, 21 days of surrender with the date, as a sign of commitment that you're in it with us, that you're grabbing a paddle with us and saying, let's do this together. I've been strong and I've been broken within a moment. I've been faithful and I've been reckless 
together and watched it shatter. I've stood tall and I have crumbled in the same breath. I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender. And chased my heart and drifted, drifted home again. Blunder blessing, I've been desperate to find redemption. Take again. 
don't deserve this kind of love Somehow This kind of love is who you are It's a grace I could never add up To be somebody you still want Somehow You love me as you find me There's a prayer at the bottom of this little bookmark that I want to pray over you, over us this morning. It's the daily prayer that we created. And receive this. Make this your prayer every day for 21 days. Father, help me to see myself truly the way you see me, a one-of-a-kind, priceless treasure. Jesus, Help me to trust you to change me from the inside out, making me more loving like you. And Spirit, help me to follow your promptings for the sake of others, serving, supporting, giving, and forgiving. Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. Don't forget to, uh, if, if you're interested or you feel prompted, to sign up for O-Kids, for Setup, Takedown, for small groups. It's all out there, and it's on the QR code as well. Have a great week.